1: What an intense, insane, and utterly disgusting week it's been, you know. A week ago, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton met for their second debate at which time Donald Trump said that if he won, Clinton would be in jail and also that his so-called locker room talk captured on the Access Hollywood tape was just that, only talk, and that he never acted on it. Well, it didn't take long before a number of women challenged that assertion. I I have the count up to eight as of today, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are more to come, sort of along the lines of the whole Cosby thing. Um, Now, Trump responded in typical Trumpian fashion by attacking, calling the women liars, and also in several cases, suggesting that they were too unattractive to sexually assault. Uh, you know, last week, it was hard to see a Which, way that's always
0: the best. Defense.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm sure I'm sure his advisor said, go with that. Um, but, you know, last week, Jay, it was hard to see a way Trump could win the election. Uh, the math just wasn't working out with the polling this week. It seems like it's all but in- impossible. And really, the only real questions, at least for me at this point, are number one, how much damage he'll do to Republican down ticket candidates? And number two, whether or not he'll concede when he loses. Uh, what do you think?
0: Um, well, you know, on, on the down ticket damage, we we talked about that briefly last week. And the, the sense that I'm I'm getting as, as I read things and and hear things <clears throat> is that most of those races are being won or lost on their own merits. Uh, I I don't see that much of a Trump downdraft now. As as we talked about last week, there may be some issues with does it affect turnout. Um and that's that's a possibility that remains to be seen but i think a lot of these these races that your 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 marquee races uh senate races um trump doesn't seem to be be weighing on on those candidates to a great effect now that that said it it's always better if you have the top of the ticket who's who's helping you uh and that's certainly not the case um but uh yeah, I, I don't i don't see you know I, th- I think the Senate races are going to be where they're going to be um, you know regardless of Trump I don't I don't think it affects house races to the yeah. extent there's any effect I mean uh, the Trump candidate might Trump candidacy might help uh, house races just because of the way districts are drawn
1: right and, um, you know but the-
0: that's 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 my that's my take on it
1: well of course the Republican uh, cushion in the Senate or in the house salary is larger than in the Senate but Turning first just to the Senate, just to give people sort of a sense of where we're at here right now, the, the Republicans have a uh, is it a fifty-four yes a fifty-four to forty-six lead. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a little off my game this week slightly. I have a bit of a cold, but uh, if you take a look Stemonia. at yeah, that must <laughs> Jay had to help me to the microphone today. He has exclusive video of that, I'm sure. Um, anyway, but if you, if you take a look at sort of the the individual races you know, what you see is there are, uh, there's a reasonably good chance that the Democrats will pick up four and maybe even five seats. Right now, for instance, uh, they're going to pick up a seat in Illinois, which is currently held by a Republican. They're going to pick up a seat in Wisconsin. They're almost certainly going to pick up that seat in Indiana. That's a little closer than Democrats would like. Uh, I think they're slight favorites to pick up a seat in Pennsylvania. New Hampshire's kind of like a coin flip sort of thing. And, They have a shot at knocking off and picking up another seat in North Carolina. The other real wild card is what's going to happen in uh, Nevada with Harry Reid retiring. And that's a very close race. But right now, I think most people would say who've been looking at this, that it's either going to be a 50-50 Senate or the Democrats are going to have a one seat edge now. If it is fifty-fifty, what that means is it's effectively a democratic Senate because the vice president can vote to in the Senate to break ties. And, and the last time that really happened was when Al Gore. You're Gord making it. an
0: assumption there too. Not an unreasonable assumption, but
1: good point. Yes. Good point. I, I am making an assumption that the uh, currently close to ninety percent chance of Hillary Clinton winning the election, according to you know the polls and betting sites, that'll actually hold up. But you're right; I am making an assumption about that. Now, I think you know you mentioned that the the House you know most of those races that there 's not really a whole lot going on there, and I think there 's a good reason for that where we 're seeing more in the Senate uh, and that has to do a lot with gerrymandering and self sorting that of course Senate seats are for a state, and that can 't be gerrymandered and but House seats, most of them have been made fairly secure for one party or the other over the years, and th- Donald Trump being on the ticket or not doesn't change that. So maybe if Donald Trump depresses turnout or does, you know, or, or I'm sorry, increases turned out on the Democratic side by a couple of percentage points, most of these seats are a lot safer than that. So it doesn't have a big difference. And and I think that's really what's going on here. And that's why it's not going to affect the balance of power, or at least sorry, the control in the House. And while there has been a lot of talk about that, I think maybe some of that talk is coming from campaign consultants and media people who maybe want to see a little more ad spending on that, that kind of perverse model there. But yeah. that's... That, we're not going to see Democratic control of the House and the Senate, I don't think, no matter how badly Donald Trump craters.
0: I agree. Absolutely.
1: So, um, you know, I don't know if you want – you know, there's been a lot – anyone that's been following the Donald Trump stuff this week, there's been a lot that's been said. And, you know, there are a couple things that occur to me. Certainly, uh, people who say, you know, what about innocent until proven guilty, and these are allegations, That's that's fair to say but – there's a thing called a pattern of behavior, you know, and I think you, you listen to remarks and you put together pieces. And I'm not saying that that Donald Trump absolutely did these things. You know, I, I do believe in innocent until proven guilty. But I, I think, you know, you can look at the pattern of behavior and you can draw your own conclusions about that. And, you know, I, I know I've drawn my conclusions about that. Jay, yeah, have you?
0: Well, there's there's a there, there's a rule in the criminal justice system and the rule of evidence that uh, evidence of prior crimes or character cannot be used to show uh, conformance therewith, except under certain circumstances. Um, that being said, I, I'm, I'm looking at this from more of just a purely political standpoint. Um, and to to, you know, to sort of uh, puff up my own ego and to toot my own horn, this is the sort of thing that that. That concerned me a year ago when the Trump phenomenon started uh, that there was going to be the, these eruptions because he is a person who who puts himself out there uh, and, is, and is very susceptible to this. Um, whether it's true or not, um, I, I would agree with you from a common sense standpoint. Uh, typically, where there is smoke, there is fire. Uh, in this case, you have a guy who went out and said, this is the type of thing that I do. Uh, and then you have a lot of accusers who come out and say, hey, he just did this type of thing to me. Right. <laughs> so it's it's very of, consistent. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know with, with, with all the accusers, uh, all those you know depend on their, their various facts and, and so forth. But the very idea that a, a party would nominate someone – who had this kind of potential baggage, and, and I don't think anyone can say it—it it, it wasn't potential baggage. Uh, this is, you know, Trump has sort of been bragging about his own sexual exploits for for years and years. Um, uh, he he cultivates that that persona, uh, both you know on on The Apprentice and and on his you know appearances on things like Howard Stern Show and and so forth. Um, so. Yeah, why? Why is anyone surprised? Um, something else that's been Republicans have been griping about, to some extent, rightfully so, and, and to some extent, n- maybe not, is the idea of well, the media uh, has been sitting on this uh, and just you know drop the bomb as an October surprise. Um, again, this is something that that uh, again, not just to point out my own uh, prescience. Uh, Sure, no, but, please but, do. You know, Jim. It's also because, and, and, and quite. A, it's also maybe because we've been wrong in so many things about this election so oh, yeah. far this year. Um, but but of course, you know what what as a Republican candidate, what do you expect? Of course, the media is going to be unfair to you. Uh, well, that, this is the way it, it's uh, been for decades upon decades. I
1: disagree,
0: uh, and and you can disagree. But thank you. But, uh, <laughs> let, let's put it this way: if you are uh, in charge of of um, the Republican Party. Or, or parts thereof You certainly ought to expect uh, Unfair media coverage And I, I said months ago That once, Trump's, once Trump becomes the nominee The media is, is going to take the gloves off yeah. And the thought was Oh come on, what could they possibly go after him with That they haven't already Well, this uh, And my guess is there's going to be more stuff next week And the more stuff the week after uh, So it, to me it, It's just been such you know Political malpractice that Trump was able to get this far and become the nominee. Sure. Uh, other what? candidates should have done more opposition research and gone after him harder on these types of things. Well, yeah. And in fairness, in fairness to those other candidates, there's always, you know, tight limitations on on uh, spending. Um, there's all, there was also there was also sort of a weird game theory, I think, going on of um, look, say you're the guy who spends the money, gets the dirt, attacks Trump does that really benefit you or does that benefit one of the other 15 16 Republican candidates uh, there were all those kind of calculations
1: right so in other uh, words it's kind of a well i'm i'm willing to i'm willing to roll the dice and maybe allow this this reprehensible human being to be our party's nominee and do uh, uh, uncalculable damage to the party for years to come on the off chance that i might actually be able to be president
0: right well yeah okay. well, there you was, know, there was a the, <laughs> the conventional wisdom too that that Trump was just going to implode and sort sure. of you know collapse under his own weight, and everyone really
1: uh, wanted to believe that.
0: No, and I yeah, think I think but, that's fair. You know, so so I think you know that's to, to all the the, the uh, conservatives who are griping the media is unfair and it's a conspiracy against Trump. Well, of course the media is unfair, uh, and I think they always have been and they always will be, and that's the reason we need to nominate candidates who do not have these either either have these type of problems or by their conduct and past actions have made themselves very susceptible. Uh, to being accused yeah. of that kind yeah. of conduct.
1: I mean, I, I I totally agree, and it's just one more example of the, the Trump campaign being unprofessional and unprepared. And and you know, it, there was a story this week or yeah, in the last week that essentially Donald Trump would not let his people do uh, his re- research on his own past to prepare right. for these sort of things, which is which is hardly surprising. But you know, it, to me, it, it uh, well let me pull back and say the one issue I wanted to make sure that we talked about that we haven't to this point is these accusers. And you, you mentioned, well, of course, the media is going to be unfair. I see this a little differently. I see it as, well, it just would naturally happen this way. And Donald Trump was asked point blank, have you ever done this? And he said point blank, no, at the second debate. And then yeah. a lot of women who he had done this to, it, it, my belief, thought, oh, my God. He's totally, he's totally lying about this and I can't just be silent here and let him lie to tens of millions of people about this when he did this to me. And so these women spoke out and, of course, the media was more than happy to publicize that story. They would have been happy whether it would have been a Republican or a Democrat or anyone. You go back to Gary Hart and well, that sort oh, of I, thing. No, I, so, that's
0: right. I, th- I think the, when, I, when I'm talking about the media conspiracy, I'm, I'm talking about the idea that uh, did NBC have this information – uh, for some time, and waited until uh, October, the the uh, you know weekend before the the second debate to to drop that bomb. Uh, the timing, rather, uh, the the accusers coming forward again. I don't think that's a media thing. I think the media is being correct in, in covering them as they come forward. Um, but yeah, I see what uh, you're saying. To me, yeah, I'm just trying to to clarify. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I'm not saying that these accusers are some sort of a media creation. Um, I'm saying that the the timing. Was, was likely geared to inflict maximum damage on Trump, uh, and that, that shouldn't be surprising. Um, sure, it's what so, all campaigns yeah, yeah. do, what all yeah. professional
1: campaigns do at least. Of course, you're going to try to release stuff and and work, to, and work to get stuff out. But I just don't think there's this open collusion with the media that a lot of people seem to believe there is. I, I just think that it well, is...
0: As- you know, and, and this, this is a little off topic, but consider the, well, we'll talk about this later, I mean, the, the Don of Brazil... Uh, sure. And we'll get to that. And, Absolutely. and oh, here's the questions in advance. I mean, That's that's sort of uh, a little bit open collusion. But but go ahead. Back to the, the Trump. But, you know, it. the
1: other thing, the other point of it, I, the other part of it, sorry, I wanted to get to is, you know, the, the, the Trump claim. And this is a claim a lot of people make as well. If you were abused uh, by anyone, why didn't you speak out? You know, this, this idea, and I think that, you know, you can see why these yeah. people have gotten, especially when it's a rich and powerful person, these people's lives, you know, can be, can be ruined or made a living hell. And of course they don't want to, they don't want to speak out. I mean, and so this, this willful misunderstanding and, and, and shaming these women and, and vilifying them, I think is, I think it's just one more utterly reprehensible thing that this utterly reprehensible man has done.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, anything else on on the weekend, Trump that you wanted to that you wanted to add, uh,
0: Jay? Before we move on. Well, the, the discussion of will he concede or will? Would oh, he not yeah, that's concede? right. Thank you. Um, I mean, I, I think I think he he will. Um, oh, I. He will. He will concede. He will. He will grouse and uh, grump about. Uh, you know, it was wasn't fair, and this wasn't fair, and and you know, it's it's one of those things. If it's a close election. Uh, sometimes those those kind of complaints can carry a little more weight than than if not. I mean, it's sort of like if you lose the game, you know, forty three to three, and you, the, you can't say, "Well, look, there are some bad calls in there." Um, you know, I mean, you, um, if it's if it's you, you you lose by a field goal, well, all right, maybe the calls had had some effect, but. Um,
1: I think that's right. a very rational analysis of it, and that's why I disagree with it, because I think that Donald Trump has – a again, we're talking about a pattern of behavior of uh, almost never admitting a loss in a big fight and, and calling it a fair fight. And so I think what he's going to do is he will not concede. He will say that we lost a rigged election, and he's going to use that to build up his brand in some other way, and maybe it's going to be that Trump news network or something like that. But I cannot – I just I, I'm I'm a fairly imaginative guy, but I cannot imagine on the day after on that Wednesday after Election Day Donald Trump saying, "Well, we gave it our all, but in the end, more people voted for Hillary Clinton." I I I just I hope you're right, Jay. I really hope you're right because oh, I think yeah,
0: he'll don't. I'm not I'm not saying he's going to concede and say, "Yeah, I lost fair and square." No, of course he's not going to say that. But he's not going to say, "I challenge the the validity of this election." I I'm I'm still I'm really the president. Sure, at least I'm, not legally. Know, I, yeah, right. You know, I no. didn't lose, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, the Hillary Clinton presidency is illegitimate. It, he'll he'll say things like, uh, "Yeah, there were there was cheating that went on, and and there was um, it was sort of like the, the scene from Citizen Kane. You know, the the two headlines of um, uh, you know voters voters elect Kane, and right. then they pull up the next one. You know, fraud at the polls. Right, right." Um, it's going to be, uh, you know, he he'll, he'll, he will grouch and so forth. But I don't think it's this sort of threat to the republic that some have, have made it out to be. Um, uh, again, there's 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 danger, and we'll talk about this later. That, you know, what does it do to the Republican Party? Um, but I, I, I think, you know, the government will go on, and and uh, uh, we'll have a president sworn in, and. Uh, there's not going to be a constitutional crisis over this,
1: right? I, I agree with you there. I think, as you said, we'll we'll talk about this a little la- later. There was a great listener mail question on this, but uh, but I think it could uh, cause some real problems for the Republican Party going forward. All right. Well, you know, a horrifically bad week for Donald Trump was, of course, a very good thing for Hillary Clinton. And in a non-bizarro universe where a major party didn't nominate a sexual predator for president, I think the big news this week would have been the WikiLeaks release of emails allegedly hacked from Clinton campaign chair John Podesta's email account. And many people on the right have called it a bombshell or a smoking gun and so forth. But honestly, I don't see it. Almost none of the emails were from Hillary Clinton herself, and what was released, in, in my view, was was really pretty tame stuff. Uh, Jay, what do you think?
0: Oh, I I think in a in a non bizarre world, this would be really significant and really damaging. Um, but but we are in a bizarre world. Uh, things like I mentioned of, of Donna Brazil uh, essentially coordinating with CNN, uh, giving Hillary the the advanced uh, look at the questions she's going to, to deal with, and then and then having Hillary say on the on the now oh, that's a really tough question and and you know thinking and pondering and and so forth. Uh, that sort of thing uh, should have been uh, in in a regular world something that uh, the opponents could have pounced on and really uh beaten up on her with and again the, the also you say look there's only a couple of emails here well look this is one of you know a couple of the the 33,000 that have, have gone missing and so forth so uh it should have been a bad week uh for Clinton but all things are relative and um uh you know Trump is it, it's sort of always you know you don't have to outrun the bear you just have to outrun the other yeah. other camper um right. <laughs> and that's that's what she's doing so
1: well, and, and again, we should point out that, that, of course, these are these are accusations. And But the point is, is it looks bad whether or not, you know, what exactly happened or not. Uh, but uh, like you said, it's, it's uh, just outrunning the other camper and not outrunning the bear. And pretty clearly the bear is getting Donald Trump on this. You know, one thing I did really want to mention about uh, the, from these hacked emails, uh, one thing that Hillary Clinton allegedly said in one of these Wall Street speeches, I believe, uh, where she said uh, – I mean, politics is like sausage being made. It's unsavory, and it's always been that way, but we usually end up where we need to be. But if everyone's watching, you know, all the backroom discussions and deals, then people get a little nervous, to say the least. So you need both a public and a private position. Now, when she was asked about this at the second debate, she gave an awful answer. Tried to make it an Abraham Lincoln thing and so forth. That's, you know, generally speaking, it's not a good idea. Even she didn't actually compare herself to Abraham Lincoln, as Donald Trump suggested. But still, not not a good – there maybe wasn't a good answer for this. But here's the thing. I think she's absolutely right. In fact, I know she's absolutely right. And I'm positive that, you know, Donald Trump's response, well, honest, Abe never lied. Really? Now either he is completely naive and believes that, or he expects that the voters are so naive they believe that. And maybe they do. I don't know. But, but of course, you need a public and a private position on things. And that, to me, it seemed like that's what a lot of the Hillary Clinton or the sorry the Podesta email leaks were. It was this standard sort of campaign stuff. It was nothing that made me go, "Oh my god!" It just you know, I, I didn't see it well, as you know.
0: Here's here, the, my, my take on that is. It's it's also a level of degree to say I have a, a public position and a private position. Okay, fair enough. Um, you know, for example, um, you know Donald Trump. There were statements made that you know he he had sort of gotten soft on the wall uh, at some point. So you can say, look, all right, here, here his public position is: we're going to build a wall. It's going to be fifty feet high. Um, it's going to be terrific, but. You know, privately he might say, "Look, maybe we don't need a wall for all of it. Maybe it don't needs to be twenty feet high. Maybe it maybe it's just a fence. Maybe that sort of thing." Where it, it's a it's a matter of degree. Uh, I think it's something different to say. Uh, I am going to go out there and uh, beat the hell out of these crooked bankers, uh, and and at the same time say, "Well, you know, hey bankers, wink wink, uh, I'm 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 with you." Sure. Now, again, personally, to me, that that. You know the, the, the sort of the statements that she made in her private conversations would would make me more likely to vote for her, right? Um, again, but that's just coming from sort of my my viewpoint. Is is I, I feel much better if there's someone who is recognizing sort of commercial economic realities as opposed to a yeah. uh, pie in the sky Bernie Sanders type uh, type candidate. And you and I, uh, you and I, actually agree on this. I mean, we've talked about yeah, this before. I mean, before. Trade, I mean I, again, I'm I'm all for trade. I wish yeah. I wish there were uh, more talking, but I think the 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 scandal. And I wouldn't if if there were to be a scandal, it's not a matter of uh, of of degree. It's a matter of her saying, I'm you know I'm going to fight the TPP and it, it's horrible, and and then behind closed doors, uh, and in, in even public things, saying this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah, that's it's it's that difference. Um, that that drives the this this attack and and again in a normal presidential year um with with a normal regular candidates this this would be something that would sure. be significant i'm not Which saying is, smoking gun yeah. destruction yada 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 but but it'd be an issue
1: I just, uh, I just i just picture john Kasich, you know in the
0: state just in the state house
1: just gnashing his teeth saying oh my god <laughs> what i could do with this you punching know punching the walls it's, oh yeah you know I, I would of. imagine he he probably needs to get valium delivered by the truckload at this point because oh what what, what could have been i'm sure he's thinking but uh, but yeah uh, you know one more thing
0: that i want to throw in and we're going a little long on this but the the um, uh, the jailing clinton idea um first to be fair to trump he didn't say he he'd jail her he, he said he'd appoint a special prosecutor But then he said he'd be a fair, yeah, fair draw a fair trial and then they would jail her. <laughs> um, but, How very russian of you. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh but uh, uh you know Charles Krauthammer who is, who is someone i like a lot had a really good piece on that about just the the unrepublicanness of this it's mm-hmm. small, our republican. Right. Um, that this is not something we do and plenty of other commentators have said this. This is the stuff of, of banana republics. Um, uh, but it, it, Trump just doesn't get that that's that's how that, that comes off. And that's not to say this isn't, again, a, a really peculiar election where there would be credible reasons why the other candidate should sure. be uh, prosecuted. And the FBI laid those out. Um but to make the, you know, I'm going to lock up my opponent, a keystone of of uh, of your debate performance, yeah. uh, is is just really troubling to a lot of people, yeah. and. And he, he seems even, to be
1: doubling down on that now as well. Yeah. So, you know, that that certainly is. And, you know, some have said is is he even trying to win the election at this point. He might just be trying to do as much damage as he can. You know, he mentioned that now he felt unshackled. He thought, oh, my God, I'm sure that at RNC headquarters, they thought, oh, this, this can't be happening to us. But of course it is. All right. uh, Before we move on, I'd like to thank a new supporter from this week. Actually, it's a new supporter from a couple of weeks ago, Alex, one of our awesome monthly contributing supporters from Midvale, Utah. Alex writes, I've been hooked on your show for about three months now, and I've recently set up a recurring payment. Keep up the good work. Um. Thank you, Alex. And due to an error on my part last week, I did not mention uh, Alex, who, you know, I really appreciate that. And I mean, appreciate not mentioning it. OK, I am sick. (laughs) But uh, I am sorry about that. And I promise you, Alex, that it has nothing to do with your support of the Dallas Cowboys, who I I know you honestly, if wrongly believe, to be wholly superior in every way to my Pittsburgh Steelers. So, um, Alex, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. If you're interested in supporting the show financially, you can do what Alex did. Go to politicsguys.com and click on either the PayPal donation or the Patreon donation links we've got there. We would really appreciate it. And we've also got some special rewards for our listeners and supporters, which you can check out by clicking on the listener rewards link on our site. Okay, um, you know, Jay, at this point, even in a normal presidential race, which this most decidedly is not, campaign news... Tends to suck up all of the oxygen, which means that almost everything not about the campaign isn't under the radar story. You know, for instance, most people probably didn't hear this week that the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit declared unconstitutional part of the structure of the Consumer Financial Protection Board, which was created as part of that 2010 Dodd-Frank financial reform bill back right. in those great days where the democrats had a majority in the house and a filibuster proof majority in the senate it was a glorious but all too brief time um anyway I, i'm reminiscing here and there's the,
0: and there's iron, but there's a touch of irony as you you continue the story about, yeah. about that they had control yet yet well i mean the the the, the dc uh the well, why don't you go continue okay, with the story? Okay. And I'll, well, I'll anyway, yes, the, the CFPB. Sure.
1: The CFPB was, of course, designed to be independent, and and many regulatory agencies are designed to be independent. Now, typically, what this means is that while the president nominates and the lead and and the Senate has to confirm the nomination, once in office, the leadership of the agency can't be removed except for crimes or gross incompetence or negligence. But What makes the CFPB different from the other regulatory agencies or independent regulatory agencies is that it isn't run by a board like, for instance, the Federal Reserve is. Instead, there's a single director, and that to the D.C. Circuit was the problem. Uh, The court ruled that having only one director who can't be fired was going too far and that it in effect constitutes a violation of the Constitution's separation of power doctrines. Um, There's a great quote from the decision. Uh, Other than the president, the director of the CFPB is the single most powerful official in the entire United States government, at least when measured in terms of unilateral power. And that the, they also mentioned that the CFPB lacks the critical internal check on arbitrary decision making and poses a far greater threat to individual liberty so i i that that's essentially the reasoning Jay what do you think about that
0: I think that's the right decision um i, I also would have added in the recess appointment part of it but um the that's that's uh we've we've got a a whole body in this uh, country of, of uh, case law that talks about what administrative agencies can and can't do and the limits on them uh, because they are in many cases inherently undemocratic uh, and there is that risk that you are um, uh, transferring the powers of either con- of Congress uh, to them uh, to make law rather than to than to merely administer it. So I, I think this is this is the right decision. Um, uh, they can go back to the drawing board and, and fix this and uh uh, again, this is something that you you would think would have been figured out or fixed earlier on, but there was this idea of you know we want regulatory czars, and uh, that's that's sort of what we got. And um, uh, you know, DC Circuit said they it, that's not what the constitutional allows. Now, I, I think it's it's probably going to get appealed to the Supreme Court, and we'll see what happens there. But. Um,
1: Well, you know, and this is one of these issues. I I certainly, in the past, have mentioned my strong support for the CFPB. We've talked. I've I've mentioned a number of stories where they've acted in ways that I thought were very laudable. I think it's probably one of the best things to come out of the Dodd Frank financial reform. But in this case, I agree with you, Jay. I agree with the court. Uh, I, I think that while it's great to have agencies that can do good things, this this idea of you know these fundamental bedrock principles of having this completely unresponsive person i you know i i agree with that and so while i hope that the cfpb will continue to do the stuff that it does i think that the proper way for it to do it is under uh, a board type structure like the federal reserve and, and other independent agencies have right all right okay moving on then uh you know one other thing should uh, before we before we get to that I we should mention that the head of the CFPB actually is uh, an Ohioan right Jay
0: yeah, he is he is he is our former attorney general and also some, some may know a five-time jeopardy champion
1: that's right I, I totally forgot about that he got he got his
0: clock cleaned on the last tournament of champions though uh, yes Richard Cordray um, uh, who who was you know and, and I'll, I'll give give credit where credits due um, he did a really good job on Jeopardy. Um, but, <laughs> That's uh, the best no, no, can I can say about him. But uh... I, would, I would say it's it's he he was in many cases seen as one of the, the kind of bright and rising stars uh, among Ohio Democrats. Um, uh, when when he was Attorney General, um, and and I, I think he is a smart and a committed public servant. Um, But, yeah, the court did it, uh, got it right. All right. But, yeah, it's important we have these Ohio shout outs.
1: Uh, Definitely, most definitely. So, all right. Next, the the Justice Department said on Thursday that it would start collecting data across the nation on police shootings and other what they called violent encounters uh, between police and the public. And, of course, you know, what a lot of people said in response to this is they don't do that already. And, in fact, no, we don't really do do that already if you want comprehensive records on police shootings for the most part you have to go to the news media uh the washington post and the guardian that's not even a, a u.s paper but a british paper have created databases of this and actually even the director of the fbi said that he was embarrassed that the news media had better data on police shootings than the fbi did and so this i think is correcting something that is desperately needed to be
0: corrected for a long time uh, would you agree jay yeah, I would. I more more data I think is always better. And and again, it surprised me. I back in my sort of policy wonk days, uh and I I did some, you know, criminal justice uh policy stuff and, and wrote uh, white papers and so forth uh, on that. I studied a lot of the FBI statistics they they would publish on on criminal data. and then this this is you know, huge books and volumes and volumes and volumes of stuff. Uh so they're already collecting data out there. The fact that they're not collecting police shooting data again is, is a bit of a mystery. Um, well, I, I don't know if it's, you know the, the reason. You know, I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, I guess maybe the reason would be it's it's as, as you've said before. Despite what you see in the media, it's it's a relatively rare occurrence. Um, but uh well I, I, don't I, th- know about that. I think it's good that they I think it's good that they they're doing this
1: i, I don't know about relatively- w- rare according to the database from the washington post uh last year nine hundred and ninety one people were fatally shot by the police, and 754 seven hundred fifty hundred but yeah okay fair enough, but you know, I think the reason why it's happening is in a word federalism, unlike a lot of other countries. You know the the states are, are at least semi sovereign entities in certain areas, and so the federal government is limited in how it can compel them to do that sort of thing. And most no, of this data this, is
0: don't make this into an anti federalist. No, thing. I'm, not, I'm saying
1: I'm not saying it's anti federalist. I'm just saying it's You're
0: arguing the anti federalist side if we're talking about actual anti federalists, but yeah.
1: I'm just saying that the reason why is that in in a lot of other countries that have a a central government that can just impose this, they could just say, you will give us these statistics. But because especially in in these sort of police and and internal matters that states, our system was set up where that they have their own sovereignty in these things, essentially that in, in many cases, the federal government can just ask nicely. Now they can yeah. impose for, some carrots my, my and point sticks is for years and, and
0: years and years, though, they've been collecting these reams of data that it hasn't been a, an issue of the states either saying you can't have this or we won't give this to you or you don't have the power to get it. Yeah. Um, well, a lot I of think it... It's, I, think it's, I think it's more a thing if they just weren't asking for it. Well,
1: I think, well, I think that they have been. In fact, there was a, a law passed in 2014 by Congress called the Death in Custody Reporting Act. It actually required uh, local departments to report fatal Fatal encounters. And there actually were some penalties or potential penalties set up uh, for uh, local governments that didn't do this. And I don't think it's so much the problem that these local departments don't want to do that, though that might be part of it. Part of it, of course, I think is a funding issue. And it's not a, a seamless sort of Costless thing to sure. put all this together And so you know I think it's number one It's the nature of the distributed Power in in the United States system Which I think has its its advantages and Its disadvantages certainly and number Two it's just a matter of resources And so I think that if we uh, Put more resources toward this sort Of thing you know that would that would certainly Be uh, one, one way in doing That and it looks like that we're kind of moving in That direction I think that's a very healthy thing Especially given what uh major issue police shootings of civilians have been in in the last few years
0: yeah it's good they're collecting the data um <laughs> i'll disagree with you on the rest of the uh uh we need more more money or more federal uh federal regulation in this area but okay no more data is better
1: okay fair enough fair enough all right well then it is actually time for listener mail we've got a bunch of listener mail this right. week um first is julia from hamburg germany Julia writes, Hey, Michael and Jay, 10 years ago, I spent a high school exchange year in Oregon, so I really care about your country's fate. I have relatives and friends all over the U.S. some super conservatives, some true liberals, some libertarians, and some people who don't care about politics. I like every one of them, but they would probably not like to know one another, so I'm really enjoying your show. You're not talking past each other, but with each other, and you're making a lot of sense out of a lot of nonsense to foreigners like me. I'm very much a European liberal, so I'm especially glad to hear Jay's point of view because I often don't even understand where American conservatives are coming from. So thanks. Oh Well,
0: thank you, Julia. There you go. You are doing a service, Jay, internationally. I am. It's
1: a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. I'm
0: bringing understanding to the world, Mike. It, it, the-
1: that's very impressive, Jay. But thank you. Thank you very much for Julia. Jay, Julia, we appreciate that. All right, next. Rob from Dublin, Ireland, I only recently discovered your podcast, but I've quickly begun to appreciate your insight, debate, and commentary on political issues, especially now in the run-up to the U.S. presidential election in November. I have a question I'd like to ask. Do you think current U.S. presidential election polling numbers are being affected by a new incarnation of the Bradley effect? Specifically, do you think that Trump's rhetoric and his widespread condemnation uh, is resulting in polling subjects falsely responding to polling questions, saying they'll vote for Hillary? Uh, if so, could you gaze into your magic ball and predict how much current polls could be off by? Or could you predict any states which are now ostensibly blue, but could, once any Bradley effect is taken into account, be red on Election Day? That was a great question. and That's I- a really good question, yes. I think to understand sort of where Rob's coming from on this, first, we need to, you need to understand what the Bradley effect is. Basically, the Bradley effect is when polling overestimates the performance of uh, a minority candidate. And in this case, it v- relates to a guy named Tom Bradley, who was, in fact, a minority candidate. He ran for governor of California, and uh, it looked like that the polling actually overestimated how well he would, would do. And it, the idea is that people would say they would vote for him but really wouldn't because they didn't want to admit that they were racist, basically. So that's the Bradley effect and how that could –
0: Well, I didn't want to be perceived as racist.
1: Right, exactly. Didn't want to be perceived as racist. And so the thinking here is that maybe it, there's a reverse Bradley effect going on where people don't want to admit that, they will, in fact, be voting for Donald Trump because they you know, feel that telling that to a pollster would, would make them seem like a racist, essentially. So a reverse uh, Bradley effect. In the UK, there's a similar thing called the shy Tory effect. Again, the idea that people didn't want to admit that they would they would be voting for the Tories because they don't want to be seen as, as, as awful and so forth like that. That kind of thing. Basically, that might be a little unfair, but you get the
0: idea. So what do you think, Jay? Is there a- I, I think I think there there is. Is I, I I would say typically Republican and conservative candidates, in my experience, and this is based on campaign work and sort of seeing outside polls and seeing inside polls, uh, tend to um, under-poll. Uh, some of that may be because of a Bradley effect or Shaitori effect. Uh, some of it also might just be, I think – Republicans seem to be less likely to answer the phone. Uh, sometimes the sample size just just isn't is sort of skewed. Um, uh, sometimes the the types of the types of polls that you're looking at how scientific are they? Are they looking at um, uh, all registered voters or all likely voters? You know that being voters who have voted consistently in the last you know like elect- a couple elections, including uh, midterms. Um, so yeah, I think there's I think there is a, a, a reverse Bradley effect going on with Trump here to some extent. Um but I, I don't think it's big enough that it's going to make a difference in any any given state.
1: Not, not anymore, certainly. And
0: yeah,
1: when uh, it comes to the actual Bradley effect, uh, there's been some research on this suggesting that it was probably more of a thing in the 80s and 90s, but more recent research has found that it seems to be have less of an impact. And so bottom line is Donald Trump is behind so much in so many states that even if there is a, a modest reverse bradley effect which which is certainly possible it's not going to be nearly enough to make any real difference in the end i
0: i would say i would estimate that again this is based on you know again just numbers i've seen and a uh, weird anecdotal and just sort of gut sort of thing so this is this is not scientific at all um i i would say his support is probably understated by three to four percent
1: Oh, I think that's too much,
0: but we'll see. You think that's too high?
1: Yeah, I think maybe uh, one, yeah, maybe two percent. There are a lot percent, of folks out but.
0: there who I I talk to who are, um, you know, say they look they, and this isn't to say they're necessarily Trump supporters, but but they're just they can't bring themselves to vote for Hillary. Sure. Um, and and uh, so yeah, they 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 were not crazy about putting that out there. Um, So I I think I think it's a real thing. Uh, I think in a close election, it would make a difference. But I don't think it's going to make a difference here. Agreed.
1: Agreed. Finally, we have Tristan from Culpeper, Virginia, who writes, hey, guys, my question is, if Trump loses the election, could the Republican Party actually split in two? The Trump supporters seem pretty upset with all the Republicans unendorsing him. Love the podcast. So, Jay, I'll let you take this one since it is your Republican Party. Well, not yours. You know exactly, but yeah. you are part oh. of it. So go ahead. <laughs> as, as, as Jay, if it shows. were your Republican Party, things would be a lot better. I have no doubt. But go ahead.
0: Uh, no, Tristan, that's a, that's a good question. My my sense is would you see it split? I don't think you'd see a split, but I think you you might see a migration out, um, just a, a winnowing if, if Trump were to then set up some sort of a, a, a third party Moving forward, uh, I think you would see a lot of folks who would uh, just say that they're not, you know, they're they're going to sort of defect to that other. Would that be a split of you would have two Republican parties? No, because I, I think the Trump entity would would still be uh, much smaller. It'd be sort of like you know the Ross Perot Reform Party in the uh, the early nineties. Um, we had a lot of conservatives or libertarians or folks who are just generally, uh, you know, not. Not the mainstream party chamber of commerce uh, type members uh, went that direction. Um, you know, as far as other damage to the party, I mean the other thing to, to consider is Trump really brought in a lot of people to the party that might not have been there otherwise. So it's sort of like he he brought his own folks and he might leave with his own folks, leaving uh, the Republican party as as it was before, which is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, in terms of winning elections. Uh, I think if, if anything, the Trump candidacy has shown that Republicans need to do a better job at reaching out to uh, the, the Trump voter, the um, middle class uh, voter, the often rural uh, voter. Um, it, it just it just hasn't, hasn't happened uh, for a variety of reasons. So I think the, the party is going to learn some lessons uh, from this. It, there's going to be, I think, a, a weakening. Uh, and and it may show up in um, you know, for example, some um, some candidates getting primaries, uh, that sort of thing down the road. But I, I don't I don't see a, an all out split sort of down the middle. Uh, and and basically, that's because I think there were so many people in the Republican Party who's I, I, again, if you look at, are they really for Trump or they're just very much against Hillary? That's the other the other part of it. Um, uh, I, I don't know that there's that much loyalty to Trump or his idea. It's just that the, the alternative is is so much worse that they're willing to support them. So,
1: well, you know, I think there is a core group of, of actually millions of Americans who do have a very real loyalty to Donald Trump, and I think the possibility for a split exists if if Donald Trump would really be interested in forming a third party, like a. Teddy Roosevelt. But I hate to use the two of those people uh, in the same sentence, but like a you know, a split, like a bull moose type of thing. I think that that's possible, but I think that's absolutely nothing that Donald Trump's interested in doing. I mean, that would take the sort of kind of grinding organizational effort, and it would be four years before another presidential election. And I don't think that's the sort of thing that Donald Trump does very well or, you know, is, is it all interested in doing. Were he interested in doing that, I could see a, a splinter party uh, form. Probably never be very successful, but you know, certainly draw away from Republicans. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't think Donald Trump's going to concede. We talked about this a little earlier in the show. I think that's going to cause huge problems for Republicans going forward, especially if mm. you know some of his voters stay home, not just in this election but in future elections. But Political parties are remarkably flexible things in this country. Uh, there's a reason they've been around since just after the Civil War. I think that the the Republican Party will be battered and bruised from this, certainly, but I believe they'll survive.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Well, the other thing there's there's also uh, there was a when you, when you look back at you know the Ross Perot phenomenon. Um, it initially in in that uh, ninety two election he got close to twenty percent of the vote. Uh, in in later years it it just kept fading and, and faded at a, a quick quick pace, uh, and, and that's that's what I think will happen with with the Trump phenomenon. Some of these these folks who are all in for Trump, I mean, there's going to be a percentage who always stay all in for Trump, but a lot of them will simply say either the party is going to address my issues or Trump isn't the person I thought he was. Uh, particularly when he would do something saying I, I won't concede, which I think would really turn off a lot of folks and would would put mainstream Republicans in the position of they would have to uh very publicly denounce him, even more so than 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 they're doing right now. Well yeah, you know, um, you, you, and Trump Trump is also doing some strange things. There was a story where Trump has, has uh cut his ties with the Ohio Republican Party. Um, <laughs> which which Out of can, peak you know, as, as he for does so many things, yeah, yeah. Uh, candidate to be doing this, um, but
1: uh, I, I think it, you have you have more faith in the the good sense and decency of the average Republican voter than I do, and maybe that that's a good thing. I do because I I, right.
0: I I know them.
1: I think well, I, and, yeah. I, I hope you're right. Uh, I, I think there, uh, I think there are millions of certainly millions of Republicans who are good and decent people. I think the vast majority. But my concern is is that there are you know uh, millions of Americans also who I think who are motivated by uh, troubling nationalism and racism and xenophobia. And I think those are the people who have been you know voting more or less for Republican candidates. And uh, I, I certainly think with those people split off and do their own thing it's going to hurt uh, decent Republicans and so I think that's a you know that that's a concern but in the end the Republican Party will be just fine and maybe I'm being overly optimistic but I hope we get back to a sort of decent kind of I, I'm looking forward to 2020 maybe a Hillary Clinton Paul Ryan sort of thing and I think that would be far preferable even though I disagree with Paul Ryan on an awful lot of things so all right well, that, uh, that does it for our listener questions. If you have any comments, questions, or corrections for us, send us an email at politicsguys at gmail.com, or you can message us on the Facebook Politics Guys page. And while we won't read every email on the air, we most definitely will personally respond to every listener email and Facebook message that we get. And that does it for this week's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have any thoughts, comments, criticisms, or questions for us to Politics Guys, we would love to hear from you. That email again is politicsguys at gmail.com. And now you can also leave a voice message for us by calling our listener line at 408-840-3518. And we have that number on our website as well. Our Facebook page, where we post throughout the week, is facebook.com slash page, and we're also on Twitter, at politicsguys. If you're interested in helping us keep the show going, sharing and retweeting our new show posts and tweets, and reviewing the show on iTunes really does help. And finally, if you'd like to support the show financially, you can do that through PayPal or Patreon links that we have on our website. While you're there, be sure to check out our listener rewards. The Politics Guys will be back next Sunday, and I will hopefully not have this cold and be more uh, sound in mind and body. We hope you will join us for that.